Welcome to Navigating Authenticity, a podcast that explores what it means to be authentic. This is episode one, so bear with me. My name is Sydney Ward, and I'm a graduate student at Pittsburgh State University in Kansas. Before we get into our first interview, a little bit of background on the project. I'm 24 years old and grew up on social media. I started a MySpace page and a Zanga account when I was 13 and have been on social networking sites ever since. I've noticed a new trend on Instagram and Twitter. There's a hashtag out there that encourages users to live authentic. Some of these hashtags, hashtag live authentic, have included photos of young, beautiful adults eating organic, fresh food, hiking mountains, and wearing fashion Woodstock would have envied. Don't get me wrong, I like to eat fresh foods and go hiking, but I rarely have the time and resources to do it. I began to feel like I wasn't living as authentic of a life as my social media connections. How is it that we were the same age, yet they didn't seem to have the money, time, and energy concerns that I did? Recently, I've undertaken some cognitive work, as one of my professors calls it, and have looked for ways to improve my happiness and my patience. One book I read said one of the keys to happiness is to be Sydney, or just to be yourself. I agonized over the question, what does it mean to be Sydney? One of my former bosses encouraged us to create our personal brand, or what promise could I make to the organizations working with me? I tried to do it, but I couldn't. Sure, I know I'm hardworking, dedicated, and timely with my work, but what would someone take away from interactions with me? I couldn't tell you. There's research out there saying that our authentic selves are innate. Freud believed that authenticity was the central component to our primary narcissism, that only the authentic would be self-actualized, and the other bullshit would be temporary and causes pain. However, other theorists believe authenticity is a social construct, that our communities and societies shape our notions of what is authentic and accepted. Some women I follow on Instagram post photos wearing clothing from a store called Urban Outfitters. Urban Outfitters sells an idea of being a modern-day hippie with clothes that look recycled and vintage, but cost you a hundred times more than your local thrift store. More than that, it's a brand that targets a group of young adults growing up in an era of tolerance and acceptance, yet its CEO donates to political PACs and candidates that oppose same-sex marriage and environmental protections. I decided to talk to some people in my life that I feel have been able to navigate this authenticity problem. In this case, it's my brother Ryan. Okay, Ryan is technically my future brother-in-law, but since I'm always running 10 steps ahead of where I actually am, I consider him my brother already. Ryan is cool as hell and not in an urban outfitter sense. He grew up in the Kansas City jazz scene and is now making his way through New York City. He plays the saxophone, writes songs, and has started recording some harmonica music as well. I wanted to know how Ryan is navigating authenticity as a transplant from sleepy Kansas to electric New York. I'm originally from Paola, Kansas. I was born in Paola, Kansas. And our parents always had the radio on and there was always some kind of music going on in the background whether it be from TV or the radio so at a very early age um, my brothers and I were experienced you know exposed to a lot of different music um, 
Payola is about 45 minutes south of Kansas City. So I, I got into the band program in Payola. I was a, a huge band nerd <laughs> and uh, took private lessons uh, from Charles Kessinger, who introduced me to a group of older folks who played Dixieland music and played downtown Kansas City, you know, every other weekend with that Dixieland band. And, and how, um, old, how old were you when you were doing that? Maybe 12, 13. Oh my 14. gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's when I started taking lessons and going to those rehearsals in Osawatomie, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And then they would do, you know, community gigs and festivals and stuff. And I'd just tag along. They were very sweet. They were all my mentors for sure. By virtue of going up there, I met more people and I got older and I got a car. So I just started meeting more musicians who were older than me and just they, they were okay with the kid coming around. And uh, I just, that was, that became my thing. I just loved to play the saxophone. That led to, uh, hey, well, why don't you try to, uh, you know, do this for real? And so then I went to school with Shaw State University and studied under Tom Fowler and Ingrid Jensen and uh, Gene Lansing. And um, then when they suggested I should, you know, take a leap and, tried to move to New York City, I thought, well, why not? So I auditioned to the new school in 2008 and got in and went to school there and met a, met just a world of different people and from different backgrounds, all getting together to kind of study music and specifically jazz. And then I graduated, uh, wait, I went there in 2005 and I graduated in 2008. And, um, Ever since then, I kind of felt like, you know, because before that, I moved here, I went to Europe and traveled quite a bit and played uh, professionally, and I felt like everyone I met was always talking about New York and how they Mm -hmm. wanted to get to New York. So all roads, it's kind of like Rome, all roads lead to New York. There's a special energy about New York. You talk about yeah. tagging along with uh, the elderly guys, like letting the kid tag along. I feel like that's a very Midwestern kind of way of teaching, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I think that that's um, it's an apprenticeship. And I think the kind of people who, they're just heartfelt people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're heart people instead of analytical head people they just teach by doing and they teach by Mm -hmm. showing and they teach by welcoming people into their community who have an interest in what they're doing and it's very earnest and um very heartfelt and i felt like i was really fortunate to get you know the opportunity to be welcomed into those communities despite whatever skin color i had and my age and you know they were patient they were really patient with me so i felt like I was very blessed to have that opportunity, and because of that, those experiences, I think, you know, I had, I really wanted to do music in some capacity, play music, be involved with music in some mm-hmm. capacity as a young kid, and then it was fostered by my environment because of all these people who were just down-to-earth good people who also wanted to celebrate things with music. So I feel like, you know, I kind of made friends with the right group of folks. So from there, how did you start to begin to individualize and identify yourself as a musician, especially coming to New York where you didn't have that support group, so to say. You didn't grow up with those people, with those musicians. How did you, you know, kind of find your niche? Well, um, 
Well, people is people, right? I feel mm-hmm. like if you have certain qualities about yourself that are just good human qualities, then you kind of find other people with those good human qualities. And so there, there are actually a lot of transplants in New York City from the Midwest or the South or further North or overseas. So New York City is a large melting pot of people. And so then it just, okay, so it's not about where you're from. It just boils down to, well, are you, can people be around you? You know, are are you not, you know, there's some good attributes that you were either born with or learned at an early age. So I think all those things, regardless of whether you're a doctor or a musician or you play soccer, are just universal. So do you so, feel like those qualities and those attributes, are those, um, do those kind of transcend like societal roles and stereotypes and just come down to values and, you know, kind of personhood, like just being um, true to who you are and being just a genuine kind of individual? Yeah, I like the word personhood because mm-hmm. uh, it makes me think of the idea that there's a, not a code, but a universal understanding just between human beings that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that everybody understands that treat someone as you would want to be treated and space and respect and kindness shown, you will get that in return. So, yeah. The, the, I feel like uh, those attributes kind of shine through regardless of what your occupation is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, along with those, like it sounds like those are beliefs that you've carried really close to you. Um, as oh, you've yeah. been growing and changing the music, have you ever felt like a crisis of legitimization or a moment where you paused and said, am I for real? Is this really me? You know, Am I really doing what I should be doing? Yeah, every day. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, no, I it, that I I think of that every day because mm-hmm. um, sometimes, and maybe it doesn't have to be New York City. Maybe people in general, they just mm-hmm. have this feeling of being out to sea by yourself. You have mm-hmm. this, maybe it's loneliness. I don't really know what it is, but I feel like that you come to a point where you kind of feel like, man, I don't know about the choices here. Maybe mm-hmm. I messed up. <laughs> Right. The more people I meet um, from all walks of life, the more they feel the same way I do. So if nobody has, nobody feels solid on solid ground, well, what what are we really talking about then? Maybe it's just a chemical feeling of something else going on other than mm-hmm. maybe you're okay and just keep stay the course and you'll be all right. No? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yes, it makes, to me, it makes total sense. I've been feeling a lot of that myself lately. So, you know, like you said, you feel like you're just, yeah, just kind of floating out there. And, but then everyone's feeling that way. So it's, you know, it's kind of a question of, um, what makes, and so that's the question I pose to you is what, when you do have that crisis, is it when you're playing music or when you're surrounded by music, do you kind of overcome that for a moment or for a night? Well, yeah, I would say that music, when I let it be, it's better than drugs or alcohol or sex. It's it's something that can calm and keep. Uh, I guess it's it's something that helps you find inner peace. 
mm-hmm. way uh, in a very sacred way. You know, I we we didn't I we went to church and we're religious people. There's definitely a God. All these religions may be talking about one God, two gods, four gods. I have no idea, but I believe there's something higher than us, and I believe that the act of music is my way of being spiritual. And in the search of what am I doing and where am I supposed to be, I think that the answer lies in music for me. And I, I guess I'm just lucky enough to have figured something out like that. Wow. Because without yeah, that, absolutely. I don't really know where I would be or what I'd be doing. I mean, hopefully I'd be helping people or doing something good. Or I, I would have already been wiped out. I don't really know. I'm just saying that basically, without music, I mean, it's it's my spiritual guidance. Mm-hmm. Anytime I put the horn in my mouth or I'm doing something, it's just a sense of calm that I need. So wow. that's absolutely. why it's, it's grown into this. You know, I think it's always been that way for me, but I couldn't really articulate it until I turned 33, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <It's just older. laughs> Ryan's last point really hit me. Ryan's music connects him to a spiritual depth that transcends everyday life. We should all be so lucky to have something that allows us to experience something bigger and beyond ourselves. I've leaned towards the idea that authenticity is a social construction, and Ryan touches on that a little with the attraction of musically minded, good, accepting people coming together to celebrate life. However, the idea that we can find our music, we can find an act that is more real and powerful than artificial highs like drugs or alcohol that takes us into the greatest mystery? Maybe there is something more to authenticity than social construction. Special thanks again to Ryan and Selmy for the interview and for providing music for this podcast. You can check out more of Ryan's music at rnselmy.com. To follow more of this project, check out navigatingauthenticity.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening.